1 Corinthians 13. A lot of you will know this passage. If you don't, don't feel outsider because it is a very good passage and it's a great time to hear it for the first time. Go to verse four, it says this. Paul says to the church in Corinth, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So right out the gate tonight, Paul lays it all out for us. Paul shows us what love is and what love isn't. And to me, I don't know if you will agree tonight, but this passage refutes anything that culture would tell us love actually is. Culture would maybe not, in, not directly say, but culture would say love is boastful and actually does envy and it is arrogant and it is all about what you would want. Paul refutes that right off the bat in verses four through seven. Worldly love isn't patient, but God's love is. Welcome back to the PC Youth Pod. We are in the month of February, so that means we are doing a message on love. And this week's message is called, What is Love? Grab your Bibles, something to write with, turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and let's hear this message from Pastor Spencer. We're going to talk about the difference between, don't miss this because this is going to set the stage. You guys went to the bathroom, we're good, right? Clap twice if you can hear me. Okay. No more clapping after two claps. Tonight we're going to talk about the difference between a worldly love, a love that we would find in culture today versus the love that God has displayed in the Bible. Are you guys ready for this? I'm excited. We're going to talk about the difference between worldly love and godly love. And there is a difference. And I'm here to tell you tonight that the way that we love, whether that be how we love our mom, our dad, our siblings, our friends, if you're mature enough, a girlfriend or boyfriend, a, a dog, the way we love in general goes far beyond romantic relationships. But the way that we love people that are important to us, we have two options. We can love according to the word of God, the Bible, or love according to what the world would tell us. Those are the two options. We're going to simplify it tonight. Very, very simple. We can love according to the world or how the Bible would tell us to love. So I'm here to tell you tonight that the example that God set for us, for those of you that don't know this story, God, the creator of all of us, the earth, heavens and the earth, the creator of you and me, he set, I would say, probably the best example for what love truly looks like in the history of time. God sent his son Jesus to die for you and for me, because he knew that we were a fallen people. His own son, Jesus, he sent him onto this earth to live a perfect life and then to die in place for you and I's sins. Because he loved you and I so much. That didn't mean he didn't love his son, Jesus, but he loved all of us, you and me, everybody in this room and everybody on earth, so much that he would send his one son, Jesus, to die. I don't know about you, but that to me is probably the pinnacle of what love looks like. And there's many, many examples of what love looks like in the Bible, and we're going to talk about those. The example that, that culture has set of what love looks like is the complete opposite of what love looks like in the Bible. So let's get that clear tonight. God's love, worldly love are completely separate things. And if you want to debate me on that, feel free. We can debate afterwards, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be clear. So I wanted to prove this even more. So I looked this up online. 
And there's a website called Spirit and Truth. And it said this, worldly love is always self-focused, self-centered. People often give the reason why they love someone because of the way he or she makes them feel. This is a worldly love because it is about self. A man who says he loves his car, his home, or his job does, be, does so because he is usually thinking about all the benefits that he will derive from them. The world always values people and things based on their usability. That was a heavy one. Worldly love causes people to control and to manipulate others so they meet their own needs. It envies what others have. It is rooted in pride and causes division and separation between people. So that's one end of the spectrum, worldly love. At the very end, actually throughout the whole time tonight, I'm going to talk to you about what godly love looks like, and we're going to see how it is so clear and important why they contrast. We're going to shed, shed light tonight on why living according to the Bible, loving according to the Bible is crucially important in having successful relationships. And I thought it would only be fitting that we do this the Wednesday before Valentine's because Valentine's, timing is, is good. But I really, really want you to withhold yourself from thinking about this in a romantic perspective. Because it can be. Like, you need to, I need to love my wife, Corey, according to the word of God. But it's all relationships. This, is, this applies to all relationships. So tonight we're going to understand why it's so important. Time and time again, the Bible has led the way for what godly, looks, godly love looks like. Tonight we're going to focus in on what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and to the Romans and he explains time and time again the true love that God has set and set an example for you and for me. He explains what it is, an example of it, and why it's so authentic. The example that is given is not only helpful in helping us understand how much God does in fact you and I, how much God does in fact love you and I, but it is also helpful in helping us understand how we can love others the same way. How are we going to live? How are we going to love in everyday life? Tonight, we're going to find out together. So if you have your Bible, open up with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For those of you that have been wondering, I read out of the ESV or the NLT translation, English Standard Ver Version and New Living Translation. If you want a new Bible, get one of those. They're the best. NIV, King James are all good as well, but these are not my two favorites. We're going to be reading out of the ESV translation tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter, I said 3. I'm sorry. First, First Corinthians 13. First Corinthians 13. A lot of you will know this passage. If you don't, don't feel outsider because it is a very good passage and it's a great time to hear it for the first time. Go to verse 4. It says this. Paul says to the church in Corinth, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So right out the gate tonight, Paul lays it all out for us. Paul shows us what love is and what love isn't. And to me, I don't know if you will agree tonight, but this passage refutes anything that culture would tell us love actually is. Culture would, maybe not, in, not directly say, but culture would say love is boastful and actually does envy and it is arrogant and it is all about what you would want. Paul refutes that right off the bat in verses 4 through 7. Worldly love isn't patient, but God's love is. Worldly love is arrogant and sometimes even rude, but the love of God will never ever do those things. I could go on and on. The list would go forever. Go down to verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it'll pass away as well. For we know in part, and we 
prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been, fu- been fully known. So Paul tonight is telling us that the world's love definition of love is conditional. The world's definition of love, if you were to build a relationship based on the, that definition that we read at the very beginning, if you were to build a relationship with a friend... Your, your relationship with them would be very conditional. It would be based on how you feel or based on what, what they said at one time. He's also saying in this passage that God's love is exactly the opposite of that. God's love isn't dependent on how you feel at a certain time. God's love for you isn't dependent on if you, if you feel like it's worth your time at that certain time to love him back. No, God's love, even when you don't feel like it, God's love is there and he loves you deeply. God's love for you isn't limited to your feelings at any given time. His love is unconditional, not conditional. That's a big statement right there. God's love is unconditional, not conditional, as the world's view of love is. God gave us the greatest gift of all, Jesus. And Jesus, throughout his entire walk on this earth, demonstrated nothing but love for others. So what an example One, God sent his son, Jesus, for you and for me. That's love in itself. But then for Jesus to live perfectly, loving others, spending time with people that others wouldn't say deserve to be spent time with. He did all these things for these people that you would say don't deserve. He spent time with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes, all these things. Many outsiders would say, God, Jesus, why are you wasting your time with these people? Jesus, why are you wasting your time with the tax collector that nobody likes? He just wants to take our money. Jesus would say, because God has instructed me to love every single person exactly the same, just as he does. So God sent his son Jesus, that's an act of love. Jesus lived perfectly, that's an act of love. We have so many good examples, not even just good, amazing examples to follow that show how true and authentic God's love for us is. And to top all that off, you and I did not deserve that. You and I didn't, I'm just being real tonight. You and I didn't deserve for Jesus to come, to live perfectly as a great example, and then to die for you and I's sins, and then to actually resurrect three days later and conquer death in the grave, and to save us from death. All these things I could keep listing. We didn't deserve it, but we have it as an example to follow. Romans 5, verse 1. It's one book back. Go to Romans 5, verse 1. So you're in 1 Corinthians, go back to Romans 5. It says this in verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. And character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. You and I are the ungodly, and we are weak. But Christ died for us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we 
shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That's a lot of big words. But Paul is saying tonight that you and I deserve the wrath of God to come down on us because we are sinners. So the God that created you, the God that created you, we actually deserve the wrath of him, but he sent his son Jesus so we didn't have to experience it. And that is the greatest act of love that you can find anywhere in history today and forever. You will never find anything that comes close to it. And God did it for us. So what an example we have to follow. None of us will ever live perfectly following the example that God set, but what an example we have to at least try. And you might say, well, Spencer, you need to set yourself to a higher standard. I would love to live just as Jesus did, but I'm an imperfect person. Jesus was not. You are an imperfect person. Jesus is not. So just because you might say, oh, you need to have a high standard. We're never going to live completely as if Jesus did, but we should every, day sing, every single day try to do the best we can. Because the God that loved you first sent his son to die for you. Not only did Jesus die to wash away our sins, but he also saves, saved us from death. I don't know if you grasped that in, that in that passage. He saved us from death so that we can have life. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, from then on, humanity was doomed for death until Jesus came to save us. And I think sometimes as church people, we, and I know there's not a lot of church people in here, which I'm glad about because you might have the opportunity to meet Jesus tonight. But for those of us that would say they grew up in church and they've been around church a long time, sometimes we forget about the magnitude or the, or the sincerity or the, what even, the, the magnitude is the best word, I think. There's real magnitude behind the saving grace that we have in Jesus. And sometimes I think we, we lower it as church people. Because every single day we should wake up realizing, oh man, I deserve death, but God loved me enough so that I didn't have to die. So we need to, every single day, resist the temptation of lowering or limiting the love that God has shown us. Because it is the realest love that you will ever experience. The love that God showed to sacrifice his son will forever, ever, and ever and ever be unmatched. It'll never, ever be replicated here on earth. And we have access to that exact love that Paul just talked to us through in Corinthians and Romans. We have access to that tonight, you and me, through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So before you think about, oh, how do I, how do I love people around me to the best of my ability? You need to first understand how much Jesus and God loves you. You need to understand that first, because if you don't, then you won't, you won't understand how to love others effectively. Understand the magnitude, understand how much, and that's a simple word, but understand how much and how big God's love for you is. Paul says it so clearly. We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now have received reconciliation, and we didn't deserve it. That concept is completely unheard of besides the Bible. The world would try to, to try to create all these things that would compete with, with the love of God, but it will never, ever be matched. And I've said it many times. 
We are loved perfectly by our Heavenly Father, and we have a great template in that of how to love those around us. Would you agree? We are perfectly loved. That's a big word. We are perfectly loved by our Heavenly Father. So what a good example that has been set for us to follow and love those around us. So one, we understand how much Jesus loves us. But now two, we need to understand how much and how important it is for us to love others around us with that, to that same accord. Real, true, and authentic, authentic love can only be achieved through, the following, through following the example that God has set for us. So we're going to get to the heavy parts now. A lot of you would say that you can live according to how you would feel. You can love according to how you would feel. If you loved, if you had a friend that you met at school, you met him today at lunch, and you built a great relationship, connected over many of your hobbies, whatever it may be, a relationship is built upon common ground. So if you both love football, your relationship is going to be built. But if it gets to the point where, where it's do or die with that person, and, and you love them according to, to the world and according to how you feel, your relationships won't last more than a day. Because how many of us know tonight that our feelings are constantly changing? I felt great when I woke up this morning and then halfway through the day, I had the worst migraine. My feelings, my feeling throughout the day changed dramatically. I told Corey, Corey, I feel really rested this morning when I woke up. And I don't say that very often because I'm constantly tired. But I felt rested this morning when, when I woke up. But halfway through the day, I was feeling tired. And that's a very simple example. But if we were loving people according to our feelings, Relationships won't be successful. Real, true, and authentic love can only be achieved through following the example that God has set. And I'm going to say it again. That's not just in romantic relationships. It's very true in romantic relationships, but it's also true in the way you love your siblings, the way you love your mom and dad, the way you love friends around you. In every single relationship that exists here on earth, you must love according to the will of God. You must. Unless you want to have a bunch of dying relationships. Your relationships will not be successful long-term if they haven't been built on culture. If they have been built, I'm sorry, let me say that again. Your relationships will not last if they have been built on culture's definition of love. So we read it. If, they have, if your relationships have been built on pride, selfishness, boastfulness, if you're envying the person that you're in relationship with, if it's been built on all of those things that we read, it will not be successful. And you can't argue with me on that. I'm going to be straight up. And the reality tonight is a lot of us would, if we're being really honest, would say, I think I have a few relationships that are built based on my lust after that person or my selfishness in that person. A lot, if we're being honest, a lot of us in here will use people to get what we want. And that's selfish. And it's the definition of worldly love. Worldly love is built on satisfying your own needs, not satisfying others. So if you live a life-building relationship based on your own needs and not the person you're trying to be in a relationship with, you will not maintain successful relationships. Your relationships will not be successful if they are built on your own feelings. We talked about this earlier. If you, I don't know how to stress this enough, but it's important. If you live based on your own feelings, I gave a good example of it, and it's a really minor one. Like you can wake up feeling restful and then tired throughout the day. But what about... What about when you have built this great friendship with somebody that you've cared about deeply for years and years and years, and then they do you wrong one time, and you immediately feel hatred towards them? That's a feeling. 
care for one person and then they do, this is the timeline. You care for that person, they do something bad to you, and you immediately resent them. If you live based on the feeling of resent, your relationship will end. Because it is not built. God had every reason in the book to allow us to die. And it says in the Old Testament many, many times that the wrath of God, God was angry with, with his people. So he had every reason to, in the book to not save us from death. So if he, if he lived in that feeling of anger, then we would have been dead. We would be doomed for death. But because he loved us and didn't love according to what the world would say, he loved according to God himself, we have saving grace in Jesus. Your feelings will change every single day. None of us in here should trust our feelings because they change every single day. If you let your relationships be affected by your feelings, you won't be able to make a friendship last longer than a single day. I've said this over and over. Last point on feelings because I think I'm hammering it down a little bit. Feelings are, are not eternal. You will never go your entire life feeling happy. And if you're hoping that's the case, I'm sorry to ruin your day, but it's not going to happen. You're never going to live your entire life feeling restful. You're never going to live your entire life feeling content with where you're at. You're always going to, the world's always going to push you to want something more. But, so we're agreeing tonight that feelings are not eternal, but God is. Your relationship with Jesus is allowing you access to eternity with him. So when you wake up and you feel like, man, I do not want to do this today. I have no reason to get out of bed. All the people at my school are annoying me. I'm feeling hatred towards all these, all these people. My mom and dad are mad at me. When you wake up and you feel all the negative feelings, remember that those feelings aren't going to last forever. They're probably going to get good eventually. But also, if you wake up feeling good, remember that your feelings are actually going to get bad at some point. Remember in those instances that God's love for you is eternal. Feelings come and go. They're not going to last forever. They're going to be good sometimes. They're going to be bad sometimes. Wherever you're at, remember that God's love for you is completely eternal, and it's offering you access to heaven with him. So this is a real thing tonight. Some of you could say to me, we talked about how God, how God loves us and how he's instructed us to love others, but some of you could say, Spencer, I'm just being real. Like I've never experienced this kind of godly love before. No one in my life has set an example of godly love. Nobody has actually loved me as if God did. I didn't have parents that loved me effectively. I don't know what godly love looks like in my real life. I know what it says in the Bible, but I don't know what it looks like in my real life. What I would say to that is what Paul wrote. Go back and read what Paul wrote again. But also, if you were to tell me that nobody has loved you according to the will of God, you're actually wrong. Because God loved you first. You have made, you, a lot of you in here probably have, had not, have not had the best home life. Some of you in here may have not experienced the love that you would desire from your mom or your dad. Some of you in here would have siblings or people close to you that, that you don't have good relationship with and you don't feel love from them. But let me tell you something. No matter how bad the world around us may seem, God loved you first. And for some of you in here tonight, that's the first time you've ever heard that. And you need to grab a hold of that right now because I promise you, the moment you do, your life will forever be changed. Because you will understand what true love looks like, not worldly love. You will understand what godly love looks like, and then you can, and then turn, love people the same way. Maybe this is the first time you've heard that. 
And that can be a kind of a shock. God loves me like that much? God sent his son Jesus for me? I didn't know. Don't let that be kind of, a, don't let that be surprising to you. Let this be an action point in your life where you say, okay, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need as much of him as I can because I haven't been loved, but I want to love other people just as Jesus loved me. Why would we live any other way than the way God loved us first? Why would we love any other way? I'm talking to not just the few people that heard the good news for the first time. For all of us in here, why would we love any other way than the way God loved us? Why would we? Any relationship that we find ourselves in, and you all have a lot of relationships, friend, parent, sibling, teacher, coach, boyfriend, girlfriend, if you're mature enough, that's a big word, mature. They all deserve this, they all deserve the same love and compassion that God offered to you first. Every single relationship. You are in a season of life, middle school and high school, you are in a season of life where you are forming and building relationships that will either make you or they will break you. When people tell you, be careful who you surround yourself with, they're not just saying that because it makes them sound like they have authority over you. Like when your parents say, be careful what friends you make, they're not, they're not trying to place themselves in some in some place of authority. They actually do care, and there's a lot of wisdom in that because the relationships that you build right now, whether worldly or godly, will make you or break you at some point in your life. And it's crucial tonight, it's crucial that we understand that our relationships must be godly. So there's a harsh truth tonight. Some of you will realize, well, this relationship's not godly. This one's definitely not godly. I don't know if that person even knows who Jesus is. First, there comes a point when you, don't, when you don't completely write that person off because they don't have the same views as you. But if they're drawing you into things that aren't godly, then you're going to need to separate yourself from them. But don't let that be a wasted opportunity for you to tell them the, lo- the way Jesus loves them. So that's a fine line of discernment. Like, I need to make sure that they're not pulling me into these negative things, but I also want to tell them about Jesus. We need to be careful who our friends are. We need to be careful when we have people that we would think are godly relationships, but they're pulling us into things that are definitely not godly. And there was a lot of times in my life, and I'm sure a lot of you in here too, where, where you realize you were living in relationships that weren't godly, and I did my very best, and I hope you would too, to tell that person about Jesus, but also understand that you cannot be taking part in things that are of the world. It's a fine line of discernment. And I, know, I know that might seem difficult. The love that led Jesus to die for you and for me, the same love that led Jesus to die for you and for me, it's imperative that our relationships are built, built on that same thing. I promise you this. You're not going to be happy by the time you're 25 if you lived your entire life surrounding yourself, centering yourself with culture-centered relationships. Because you could say for as, you could say every single day, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. And you, you very well could be following Jesus to the best of your ability. But if you're not surrounding yourself with people that are saying the same things, you're actually getting pulled down. I love Jesus, I love Jesus, but you have a lot of other people that are saying, I hate Jesus, I hate Jesus. Uh, Eventually, no matter how strong you are, you're going to feel the tension between good and bad. You're going to feel the tension between world and God. So it's imperative that we surround ourselves with people, surround ourselves with relationships that are built on God's love, not on the world's love. 
Did I hammer that point enough? <laughs> we talked about the very beginning. Worship team, will you join me? It doesn't have to be the whole team. I think we just talked about keys. But we talked about at the very beginning the definition of worldly love. And we've read scripture that portrays what godly love is. The sa- same website, I think, wraps up the scripture that we've read and all the other scriptures that define what love is. The same website wrote a paragraph of what godly love looks like. And it says this. In Stark, and Stark, Tony Stark, I'm just kidding. I was wanting to make sure you were listening, all right? In stark contrast from worldly love, okay, on, on course now, I'm sorry, bad joke. In stark contrast from worldly love, if we were to live according to God's love, God's love is never about self. It is always about the other person, always about what is in their best interest, how you can best serve them and what you can do for them. God's love always focuses on giving and serving, never on getting. It is a selfless love motivated by a deep commitment to others, which means that it is always seeking the best welfare of others. And in contrast to the divisiveness of worldly love, godly love builds connections and deep relationships with others because it is generous, open-handed, and magnanimous in nature. I want to read that again just because maybe some of you weren't listening, but for the main reason I want to read that again is because that is the perfect... I mean, not perfect because it was man-written. God's word is the perfect definition of love. But if you were to sum up everything that scripture tells us about who God is and who Jesus is, this does such a good job and lays such a good groundwork of what we must follow in order to live as God did. So I'm gonna read it again. And in stark contrast from worldly love, God's love is never about self. It is always about the other person. What is in their best interest, not our own. How you can best serve them, not ourself. And what you can do for them. God's love always focuses on giving and serving, never on getting. It is a selfless love motivated by a deep commitment to others, which means that it always seeks the best welfare of others, not the best welfare of ourselves. And in contrast to the divisiveness of worldly love, godly love builds the connection and deep relationships with others because of its generous, open-handed, and magnanimous nature. I don't know about you, but that sounds so much more appealing to the love that we defined at the beginning of this. I want to have deep, authentic relationships with people that, where I can sit down with them and say, do you know how much God loves you? Do you know how much God loves me? And we can have these conversations that are built around God's word and built around, around Jesus, not about what the world would say, because there is conversations and there is relationships where you can sit down and say, hey, where are you going on Friday night? Are you going to this party? Are you doing this on Saturday? What, which one do you want? Do you want that conversation or do you want this conversation? Because this conversation will bring life. This conversation will bring death. That conversation will build you up more to be like Jesus. That conversation is going to do just the opposite. And you know who the opposite of Jesus is? His name is Satan. And if you want to live a life where you're becoming more and more like Satan, I'm just going to be real, stay in this conversation. But if you want to live a life where you're pursuing to be the best version of Jesus that you can, live in this conversation. Live in conversations where there's people around you that are talking about the Bible every single day. And I know that's hard to hear because some of you are in this conversation. I was. Some of you tonight are saying, Spencer, I have a lot of relationships where this is all we talk about. I'm here on Sunday and Wednesday doing the church thing, but on every other day I'm talking about what party I'm going to be at next, what what girl or guy I want to hook up with 
And I'm just being real. Those are real things. I'm not under any impression that none of you have talked about that. And there's two options. There's two options in how we live and there's two options on how we love those around us and how we allow God to love us. Do we wanna love according to God's word, the way God loved us, or do we want to love according to the world? Because eventually you're gonna get two outcomes. So will you please stand with me tonight? I believe this is a crucial moment for a lot of us. God put you first, so you must put others first. Give and serve those that you love. Don't use them as a key for what you selfishly want. God never selfishly loved you, so why would we selfishly love others? Love those around you just as Jesus loves you. To stay caught up with everything happening, check us out at peopleschurch.com as well as on Instagram at PCYouthSalem.